0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my always lovely other half, Dr. Jess. How are you?
1: Wonderful. It's going to be Sex with Dr. Lex today.
0: Ooh, mixing it up.
1: Yeah, but it's not me playing a role. It's an actual (laughs) other person, Dr. Lex, the therapist. And we're going to be answering some of your questions. And I have to say, we do receive so many questions and we fall behind and I always feel badly that we don't get to all of them. But hopefully we're going to power through a few today. And I want to open with a question for Brandon. It's a nice short and sweet one that I received on Instagram. Before we Dive right in. I want to say thank you to our October sponsor, Cleovana. You can learn more at cleovana.com. Cleovana uses sound wave therapy to induce a number of biological responses like cellular reaction and nerve stimulation and improved blood supply and improved nerve functioning and neovascularization, all of which are intended to lead to improved orgasms. So cleovana.com, check them out. And now let's dive into Brandon's thoughts on a, a short and sweet question. This person says, so I'm single and people say I should lower my standards. I think that is total BS. Do you agree with me or them? Wow, they really only gave me two choices there. <laughs> so I is mean, we don't lower have a lot- standards
0: question because is it specific to me? Did you have to lower your standards for me?
1: I don't know if I had standards (laughs) when I was dating. No, honestly.
0: I'm putting it back on you. Yeah,
1: I know. And I paused. (laughs) Uh. No, no, no. I, I don't know that I had specific standards when we met. I was young and I don't think I was specifically looking for a relationship or not looking for a relationship. I didn't grow up with much in mind in terms of you know, having a partner or not having a partner. I had, I had like a boyfriend in high school that I it, we kind of just fell into it. But I wasn't one of those people that, you know, dreamed of my wedding or dreamed of a specific life. I, I didn't think that far ahead. So I don't think that – I don't even want to say you met my standards or ex, or – you know, exceeded my expectations. I mean, you're you're fabulous. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to say no, you're and neutral. And I mean,
0: I'm I'm going to save you right now by, by interjecting. <laughs> I, blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, on so many levels, you you were you exceeded everything I could have possibly hoped for in a partner. And I think the more I got, the more I've gotten to know you over the last almost 20 years. The luckier I feel every single day so i'm going to start there
1: i didn't and, plant this and, question so you say that but that <laughs> but feels nice
0: this question about having standards my visceral my quick response is i think that having these standards create sets a sets a bar very high that likely eliminates a lot of people from um from the net that you're trying to you know to, to that you're throwing out there mm-hmm. that you're casting and by having these these hard and fast rules I think eliminates a lot of other people from consideration and I've learned over the over the uh, the last number of years that different people can be sexy different you know different conversations intrigue me um And I'm just, I don't like the idea of having these standards that you have to have across all all, uh, categories because I feel like you're going to rule a lot of people out.
1: Yeah, so maybe that's a question to ask yourself. What are these standards? Do they have to do with specific measures like appearance or income? Or are they more about shared values? So maybe you want someone who is local maybe you don't want a long distance relationship i think that's a standard that might be realistic for many people but yeah i do think that oftentimes our standards are more about how the relationship appears to others as opposed to how we feel in the relationship and my standard the question that i ask is how do you feel about yourself when you're with this person Mm. right not just how do you feel how you feel is important too but how do you feel about yourself and if you feel good about yourself and you feel good about life and you feel you know fulfilled in multiple ways do certain measures these standards that we use in dating like i, t- I hear people say oh they've got to be at least and they name some arbitrary height Or I like people who look this way. Or I want. I hear people say, "I need someone who earns as much as I do. I need someone who can give me the life I give myself." I don't even really know what that means. Uh, And I'm not. Listen, maybe I. I'm not mocking, honestly, because I do know that uh, you know, income plays a role for many people and certain factors of lifestyle. I, I hear that. And as Brandon said, I would challenge you to open and kind of broaden your horizons and i don't consider that lowering your standards
0: just being willing to at least have that like reflecting on those questions i think might shed a whole new you know shed new light on different people that you'd be willing to at least have discussions with go on dates with Mm -hmm. um and could create that fulfillment that you're looking for
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and i know everybody wants different things out of relationships you know companionship means different things to different people I had a friend say to me you know that he doesn't mind this relationship where someone's not treating him so well because he just wants a partner and you know as a friend I'm, I'm here to listen and know that you know first of all they're not looking for my advice <laughs> they're looking for my support so yeah relationships mean different things to different people and in terms of I wouldn't call it lowering your standards I would say let's just expand our horizons and i said brandon would answer but then i was like no no i'm chiming in
0: we both got we both got a say on that to
1: answer. <laughs> so today we're going to be answering many more questions with licensed marriage and family therapist dr lex who works from a systemic and emotionally focused position they are also a certified sex educator a best-selling author keynote speaker curriculum designer Grand Rounds lecturer, and I'm just generally a big fan. Welcome to the program, Dr. Lex. I'm such a fan of your work. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm a fan of your work too.
1: Now, you work with um, folks who are singles, couples, on issues around sex, family, relationships, letting go of shame. How did you get into this field?
2: It's an old question, and I decided (laughs) I didn't want to go to med school. So so I have a background in physics and math and pre-med. And my senior year of college, second semester when I was supposed to graduate, I didn't want to put people in ways and forms because I wanted to be a reconstructive surgeon and a plastic surgeon to do trans uh, surgeries, uh, affirmation surgeries. And I didn't want to have to do like breast augmentations and rhinoplasties, nose jobs, that told people who look like me that were ugly, right? I identify as a black, fat, uh, previously nursing parent. And I wanted to heal people from inside out instead of from outside in. And people who do that are therapists. So I ended up here and I really like talking about all of the things in sexuality. So sex therapist made the most sense for me.
1: I love it. So you're still a doctor, but the fun kind.
2: (laughs) Right, (laughs) most days. Most
1: days. Do you ever think about going back to med school?
2: God, no. No, <laughs> never.
1: Well, I'm so glad you're here. And we have uh, so many questions from listeners. And so I, I want to dive right in because there are, we're not going to get through all of them. And the, the first one's a little bit long. So bear with me as I read okay. through it for you. All right. Yep. Alright so this person writes, last night I wore my lingerie underneath my clothes to dinner and when we got back to my boyfriend's place, he took off my shirt, discovered the lacy bodysuit I was so excited to show off, he said he liked it and then we were making out, 10 minutes go by and all we're doing is still making out, he starts to take his shirt off and I ripped it off of him, 5 more minutes go by and he gets up from the bed, turns off the light gets back into bed, and I asked, is, is something wrong? And what he said is that he got soft. And I was like, excuse me, how? To which he responded, I don't know, maybe just making out for 15 minutes, or maybe it's the beer, but he only had three beers, so that doesn't check out for me. So I went into the bathroom and cried because I really put myself out there. And then I decided I was just going to go home because I was so embarrassed and He was asking me, no, 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 please don't go home, but he didn't say sorry or anything else. So a little more context, wearing the lingerie was really hard for me because I've had body confidence issues for the last little while after gaining weight. I've also only worn it twice before, and the both times that I wore lingerie, the guys broke up with me soon after. So now I'm nervous about it happening again. So after he told me I should stay, I broke down in tears and it was the first time he saw me cry. I told him how much it took for me to put myself into lingerie and feel confident and that I felt really humiliated that he lost his boner. Uh, I brought up how I've been dealing with feeling unsexy and the fact that he hasn't really called me hot since the fourth time we had sex. So he said that I'm right, that he hasn't called me hot But he didn't apologize and I'm absolutely humiliated and upset and I don't know what to do. Should I bring it up again so he realizes how hurt I am or should I just let it fester and hopefully eventually I'll get over it. So there's there's a lot Mm. going on here.
2: There are so many facets. This person's ability to remember specific detail as well is uncanny and amazing, genius level. Oh my goodness, my poor heart. Her poor, their poor heart. I don't mm-hmm. know their pronouns, but oh my goodness, that's such a such a disappointment and letdown, and of course heartbreaking.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think a lot of people are afraid to put themselves out there, whether it's initiating sex or putting on lingerie or trying something new or introducing dirty talk. Uh, anytime something feels new. I, I think we all feel a little bit intimidated and in doing so we also get our we get our hopes up, right? And she mm-hmm. has this other association with feeling or you know, associating wearing lingerie with also precipitating a breakup. I don't know if you want to start there.
2: So I actually wanna go back a little bit, right? So the I'm gonna feel fancy for myself, I'm gonna put on this lacy bodysuit, I'm gonna surprise my lover is really exciting and arousing and intimacy building because they're taking a risk, Mm -hmm. right? What we did find out though, is that that risk didn't necessarily pan out to build more intimacy, vulnerability, connection, all of those things, quite the opposite now. They're afraid that it can end. I, I want to change the responsibility that I'm hearing here in the question, right? So that person's erection, is not the responsibility of the lingerie wearer to maintain right okay. so it is the person who has the erection and who knows what's going on with that person that person might have felt embarrassed that they lost their erection they might have felt sexually overwhelmed which is exactly what happened when this happened to me i i uh, had a similar <laughs> a similar experience where i actually got laughed at in my experience and my lover walked back out the room and went downstairs and started watching TV Mm. and I was like what just happened and and we had to have a conversation but I'm hearing that the lingerie wearer wants that validation of do you find me attractive can you confirm that you find me attractive that's really important for me and what I'm hearing is I want the apology and we also need to know what the behavior changes that you want so it's when you find that I'm attractive will you share that with me I would really love to hear it. It really does help me feel connected and bonded with you. It makes me feel so much better.
0: As somebody who gets erections, <laughs> I can, <laughs> I, I can comment on you know the pressure sometimes that uh, accompanies that that um, that expectation that oh I've done mm-hmm. this and because of that you should respond this way because this is the way you're supposed to respond, which is getting an erection, getting a boner, um, and then you know having I've gotten in my head before okay I've gotten in my head before where you know I've been aroused by something and then you start thinking to yourself I've gotten into my own head where I'm like well maybe I'm not as aroused as I should be and then I go down this snowballing pathway where I'm like oh my god what happens if it doesn't work out or what happens if things change in the middle of and it's almost like I'm taking on this problem that doesn't exist and making it a problem um and having you know your partner expect that of you can be very again i'm just commenting on my own experience here but just having your partner expect that of you can be a really just another layer of pressure
2: oh oh and and so the vulva does like pressure the g-spot likes pressure penises not so much (laughs) right that mental pressure is like Oh so my gosh, am I supposed to perform to a whole different level now? What does this look like? Can I keep up? Is this person better at sex than I am? So all of that stuff, and I want to make room for that person's stuff as well, but still center this lingerie wearer of, one, re- that erection is not your responsibility. Neither is maintaining their arousal. That's on them. Hmm. You, though, feeling good about yourself and feeling confident and feeling sexy is the priority here. And you can ask your partner for support in that behavior change. And that's probably going to be the best way to bring it up. Please don't let it fester. That leads to bitterness, that leads to breakups, that leads to distance. So instead of saying, you remember that incident where you lost your boner and I felt horrible and I cried, right? So maybe not that way, but saying, (laughs) I'm realizing I'm realizing how important it is for me to feel wanted by my lover. And I've been missing some of that, especially it sounds like this is a newer relationship. Yes. It's the first time that they've seen you cry, right? You've been able to count how many times you've had sex at this point. So it's like, uh, I really do need in significant relationships some of that external validation because sometimes I have a harder time generating it for myself. And really center that eye language and then also ask for what you need. Festering doesn't do anything good for anybody.
1: Yeah, I love that. I, I thought it was interesting that she they included fester in this, in the letter itself. And uh, I love the way you're breaking it down. So number one, I need I want you to show me that you want me. Here's how you can make me feel wanted. And then I would also maybe, and I don't I don't know if you'd agree, Doctor Lex, offer an offer a challenge for you to also work on. You know, feeling great about yourself, um, looking at that kind of internal validation as well, while you're asking, uh, or in tandem with asking for that external validation. So, and and the the erection piece really jumped out at me as well. Um, I think that in our culture, we look at erection as a sign of arousal, as a sign of desire. When in fact, you know, you can get a boner from riding the bus and you, can, you <laughs> can be surrounded by eight of your, you know, ideal lovers catering to your every need and not get a boner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so mm-hmm. we do, I think, all need to remind ourselves and de-center the erection, the penile erection, because clitorises get erections too. We just can't see them right. as much.
2: Everything about what you just said is absolutely right. And our sexual pleasure doesn't have to hinge on whether there's a hard or not hard penis, right? Just because that person lost their boner, doesn't mean that their fingers, tongue, mouths, rest of their body part, toes, I don't really care what you do with what body parts you have. Like that stuff doesn't stop working just because this penis right now doesn't have an erection. And the erection you have more than likely isn't going to be the last erection for the rest of your life. These things can come back. They wax and they wane. They change in hardness and firmness. So stick it out. Just because there's not a hard penis present doesn't mean that sexual play and sex, however you want to define it, can't happen.
1: Absolutely. I really appreciate that. And I know the penis sitting across from me right now appreciates that.
0: Well, I mean, I think I, I'm definitely <laughs> nodding along here. And I, I would agree. I think, you know, you can uh, maybe not respond the way that your partner in this case wants to. But if I if I were to take on the onus of responsibility of pleasing my partner, maybe things will change for me. Maybe, you know, in five or 10 minutes later, I'm aroused again and I will get an erection.
1: Or maybe you just not even worry about your partner, but yeah. explore your own body's pleasure because obviously bodies, regardless of genitals and regardless of gender, we can we can explore, explore pleasure across the body, right? From the shoulder blades to the collarbone mm-hmm. to the thighs. And that's when sex gets really hot anyway. So I really appreciate Dr. Lex, you emphasizing the I language. Uh, so, you know, what I need is and what I'm feeling is and what I would love to request of you is. So uh, thank you for for that. I think, uh, is there anything else you want to add before I move on to our
2: next listener? Yeah, just a little bit about the weight gain, right? So Please. being a fat person that exists in the world and I'm a, a small to medium fat person and I don't know what size this listener is. Being fat doesn't necessarily equate to being unsexy or unattractive. And that is some programming that we oftentimes have to just get out of our heads. It's not necessarily a true narrative. And also with the more weight that you're carrying with the changes in your body, we can also look at it as more surface area for pleasure. Yes. So now your butt's a little bit wider, but like that's more butt kisses and cuddles you get. So let's see what this new skin might feel like. Let's see what this nibbles on your on your little fupa might feel like, or let's see what it feels like to have that grabbed on while you're engaging in type of sexual play, because we can use some of that in our bodies, our whole bodies for that same pleasure.
1: Ooh, I really love that. I love the idea that there's new stuff to love. I think about other body changes we go through, You know, whether it's having stretch marks and how having your stretch marks touched or caressed or vibed against or kissed mm. can feel really good. And I'm actually not sure. You may know because you you did med, but I don't know if that's physiological or if it's the psychological component of loving an area that we've perhaps harbored shame around for, for some time.
2: Yeah, I, I think it actually goes into both, right? So sensitive skin mm-hmm. and sensitive skin parts. And then parts that we're not usually touching unless it's a utility. So we're washing it, we're putting lotion on it, we're dressing it, but we're not really touching it out of tenderness and purposeful pleasure. So those things can be like, oh, I, I only really squinch at my belly when I want to be tucking it into something or if I'm trying to hide it. What would it be like if I was really sensual and soft with my belly?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How does that type of touch feel? What do kisses feel like here? What does a vibrator feel like here? What does a warm compact, or massage oil, or a hot candle, or fire play feel like here? Right? Let's talk about all of those things and where does pleasure come in at?
1: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, and we wish you the best. Um, you know, the the headline or the subject line in this email was lingerie humiliation, and I hope that you're able to work mm-hmm. through that humiliation and you know, feel great in your body and feel good with your partner and feel equipped to have these conversations. And I think Dr. Lex has given you some, some language with which you can start these conversations. Yes. Uh, so first of all, I just, I love the way you describe it. Even just the way you're describing, touching all types of bodies feels so good to me. I'm kind of, I'm moaning the way I do when I eat something delicious. <laughs> she
0: really does too. We'll be, <laughs> we'll be like sitting at a table and, and I'm like, clearly you enjoy whatever it is you're eating right now because everyone knows. Everyone around us knows.
1: Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, so we have another question, a short and sweet one. This person ind- indicates I'm a cisgender woman. My husband never initiates sex unless he has turned me down down the night before and then when he initiates in the morning I feel like it's disingenuous like he's only coming on to me because he feels bad about the night before how do we break this pattern
2: Ah, oh, that doesn't feel good okay so it is interesting and also I don't know the age ranges here so as she has identified that it feels weird for her right? Like her husband's trying to make up for this deficit. I think there's some talks around expectations around what sexual play needs to look like. Again, sex doesn't always have to be penetrative, full-on intercourse. It can be a bunch of variety and a myriad of things. It might look like mutual masturbation. It might look like just one person being really pleased sexually. It might look like, well, I'm going to spend some time in some solo sex and talking about what variations they really like. And then some of that initiation, giving your your husband permission and also validation. So when your husband's like, oh, I don't really feel like it, you know what, thank you for taking care of yourself. I don't want you to do things that are uncomfortable or not fun for you too. So let's try something else. What is another way that we can spend some time together? Or I really need to rub this one out. I'm gonna take some private time and then I'm gonna come back and we can hang, right? So you have some options there. And then that next morning of, He's trying to make up. He's really trying to take care of you. That is so sweet. And also not particularly useful for you because it doesn't feel good. Now it becomes kind of obligatory or an option. And you're just like, I don't, I don't want to be the option. I want to be the priority. So I think giving him some permission of saying, babe, it's okay if you don't want to have sex right now. Right? What are some ways that you find it hot that I can initiate or I can bring sex to you? Does sex always have to look like this, this, and that, that? Could we try to mix it up? What's in our repertoire? What are some things that could be fun to try? And then also, hey, I need some personal time, especially if we have wavering types of desires. So if somebody has a really, really high sex drive and somebody has a really, really low sex drive, maybe a compromise is they get in some personal time, some solo sex time, and then they come together with their partner a little less frequently body-wise than they would have solo sex. That's absolutely okay to mix in. Every sexual thing doesn't have to be together when you're a couple.
1: Preach to that. Thank goodness. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and do you run into this a lot in your practice with complaints around one partner doing all the initiating?
2: I do. I usually see it kind of quite the opposite. Um, and also I see it more so in my queer couples. I see a lot of Black queer couples where people aren't taught how to initiate. hmm And then in my heterosexual couples, it's one person, the way they initiate irks the hell out of the other person. It's like, I don't want you to slap my booty. Stop doing that. I don't like it. Right. But that's how they know. Or they're using sex as a tool to like bond and get close with after an argument or after a disappointment. And it's like, no, I'm still in my feelings. We haven't processed any of this. I don't I don't want to have sex with you. And the person's not recognizing that this is the repair attempt Mm -hmm. of like, I know we've been distant. I know we've been disappointed. I know we had conflict. I'm trying to come back together with you and use my body in this way. And the other person's like, I just want your words. I want to explore your mind. Don't touch me. I'm not in the mood. That's not how we come back together. So I see more of those discrepancies and the lack of ability to say, I would really like it to initiate this way versus please don't just like grab my left boob and say Hong Kong and let's go. <laughs> like that's not it's not fun for me. I don't enjoy that. and people feel like they kind of have to just go along with it.
1: Can I tell you how many clients I've seen where there's a complaint <laughs> about the grabbing the boobs and saying Hong Kong? Like you'd think that it's a, a singular <laughs> case, but it, it's common, Dr. Lex, tell the people
2: oh <laughs> uh, it's so and right and like just like no that's not that's not the way it happens there are there are great gentle touches or even aggressive touches that can initiate sex but the honk honk is so far across the board nobody has been like yes
0: honk honk my boobs i'm sure please. that it works that really gets me going i'm sure that it works for someone and some people but i'm just one in seven it, it, billion one, yeah but i'm just thinking about <laughs> that like You know, two ships passing in the night and one person just kind of reaches out and does a car horn honk honk. Let's do it. Yeah. So here's the
1: problem. (laughs) Dr. Lex is helping the people, but maybe causing damage in my relationship because now I feel like Brandon's going to do the honk honk. I'm
0: getting all these new seduction techniques, (laughs) right? Like, this is great. I'm just going to mix it up.
1: But you know what? Humor works for me. So just the, I think you're a very funny person, Brendan, and it's uh, a big part of what attracted me to you. And so I, I think that maybe once in a while, like one time, just one time. time. So one if, if we're going to be together for another 60 years of our lives, 68 years, that's my calculation. That's your
0: calculation. Yeah. yeah
1: then... Yes. 68 years you you can plan that i get the
0: one honk one
1: time between now (laughs) you know what strategic i'm gonna make it (laughs) epic i'm gonna
0: make it epic i want to yeah
1: hang on though it's gonna be when i'm like 90 something and you're gonna have to bend down to get my boob
0: so i'm gonna bend down probably pass gas (laughs) 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 give you the boob honk and then off we go
1: It's getting sexy you know we're laughing and I I do just want to say that of course if there's anything you're into whether it's honking the boobs or getting off on laughing or passing gas whatever you are into um, it's without judgment part of our laughter is because it's it's either funny to us or we're uncomfortable with it but I want to really emphasize no judgment wherever you are. Uh, I do want to go back Dr. Lex to mm-hmm. using sex as a, as a repair mechanism and how that plays mm-hmm. out in the cases that you see. Because as you said, oftentimes it's one partner who sees sex as a way of expressing love and affection and the other wants to use words or non-sexual physical affection. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on sex as, as a repair mechanism.
2: Yeah, so I mostly see this with men. Right, And it doesn't matter their age range. I I work with a group of prostate prostate cancer survivors who uh, are struggling Mm -hmm. with loss of intimacy because they feel like they can't just use sex for all of their emotions anymore, Mm -hmm. especially after surgery. And I see this with younger generations as well. Uh, One of my favorite couples is actually a mixed generation couple where the woman is much older than the man in the relationship. And she's like, he keep trying to hop on me after these arguments. And <laughs> I don't understand why, why? And the first victim of patriarchy is boys. Boys are taught to castrate themselves of emotions, right? You're supposed to man up. Um, you're quote unquote supposed to want sex all the time. And that is some reason, the only reason you're, way you're taught to be able to communicate Connectedness and feelings, and it's okay to show those feelings to show that you want someone. And it's not necessarily the only way, right? We know that you can show your inside parts, whatever they might be for you, ideally in an intimate relationship of saying, like, actually, I was quite disappointed, or I'm afraid that you're still mad at me. And this is where my truth versus honesty piece comes in. People are truthful quite frequently with their lovers. Ideally, there, there are some people who aren't, but I really push people to be honest. And so truth is like, yeah, I really, really want to have sex with you. Honesty is I'm so afraid that you're going to leave me that if we have physical connection right now, it reassures me that you want to stay. Oh wow, Those two things are completely different, right? Mm-hmm. And we get a hard part doing the honesty part and specifically folks who are like, If they have sex with me, they want to be with me. It's validation. It it means that they still want me. It means that they also forgive me. And that's not necessarily always true.
1: Right. And that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Truth versus honesty, sort of what I want versus why I want it. And it is a lot easier to Mm -hmm. say, I want this, not I want this because it fills a specific need or addresses a specific Mm -hmm. void. Uh, And what you're really talking about is you know, being able to access our language around emotion. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, expanding definitions of sex uh, is one way to address both of the cases we've discussed today and now probably a third uh, that's coming up. And so if we could expand definitions of sex and eradicate gender roles, (laughs) how much of our work would just be either eliminated or easier?
2: Oh, so much. Because we're just all of us, even as therapists, right? We, we were trained in certain ways. We were raised in certain ways. Mm-hmm. I'm still not taking out the trash as a Southerner. It's just one thing I just <laughs> I can't unless it's absolutely necessary. It's not my job um, or yard work. But <laughs> I, I do ascribe to those gender roles. The it's all just made up. Somebody just made it up and was like, this is what we're going to do now let's go for it and it just doesn't do us a service in our relationships and people are really out here suffering your listeners are like oh this sucks i don't want to do this anymore but i really care about this person and it's i want to be close and connected with this person but i just don't know how Mm -hmm. and then there's also i am so scared that this person is going to reject me once they see all of my flaws it's going to be a fatal flaw and they're just going to reject me and I'm not going to be wanted or I'm unlovable. And people walk around with that in their heads all of the time. And it definitely informs our behaviors.
1: Right. Especially at the you know more subconscious level, when you, you think about uh, men expressing love and seeking love. Through sex, which is perfectly fine, but when it's the only way we can be emotionally close to someone, the only way we can seek intimacy, and when we run into inevitably sexual mismatches or challenges Uh or issues with compatibility, then how do we work through those emotions that we have previously used sex to address. So I always think about, you know, I was an English teacher, so I always think about just the language Mm -hmm. of getting people to be able to say all the things you've said multiple times now. I am scared that. I am nervous that. I feel worried about. I feel insecure. I feel jealous. Mm -hmm. I feel unsure. Uh, You know, in this world today, like, I think a lot of us are, we're feeling very, very anxious. And if we could just access that vocabulary uh, we would have a lot more of what you're describing, which is honesty, and which maybe I, I call emotional literacy, but I, I like honesty a lot better because it's a concept that you know we were all raised to right. to value, <laughs> right? Emotional literacy <laughs> right. sounds yeah. like fancified. So I really appreciate that. And um, and so how do you how do you address that when one partner or both partners sees sex as the only means to connect or feel emotionally intimate
2: well then i usually ask is that what they want and is that good enough for them okay because if it's good enough for them then i don't have no work in that department like if it works for you go for it like what are you paying my fee for what are we talking about let's go um if it doesn't work which is more when you know we see the people it's like Mm -hmm. ah this isn't really hitting for me or the sex has stopped right the sex has stopped they're just like we haven't had sex in months and We're not okay with that. That's when people usually land in my office or they're looking at this podcast or they're trying to figure out what's gonna work for them. So with those folks, one, I give them permission to feel all their feelings. Looking at social location, how people identify, intersectionality, you'd be surprised how many people haven't had permission to express all the array of feelings. They've just had to be happy or okay. Maybe angry on occasion, but not too angry, because for some folks, specifically like Black identified folks, example, mm-hmm. that can be dangerous, mm-hmm. right? To be angry in public can be dangerous. So I give them permission to be like, hey, here goes a feeling chart. Let's look through it. And they're like, there's all of these words for feelings. And I'm like, yes, yep, all of them. And you can <laughs> access all of them, right? So they're like, oh, And then we build safety. So what does safety look like in a relationship? So for the lingerie wearer, for the husband who is initiating out of guilt, and maybe even some shame, because who knows what his programming has been around what he was supposed to be like and how much he's supposed to want his wife and Mm -hmm. how much he's supposed to sex, Right. So that shame of I'm a bad husband comes up because I didn't please my wife sexually or I'm a bad man comes up because I didn't want sex this time. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff, we start to make it a little bit safer for them to share and get some validation and empathy from their lover. So it's like, I don't think you're bad if you don't want sex. I, I think you're taking care of yourself. I would really like to have some type of affectionate play at least two times a week. What does that look like for you? can we meet is there a compromise and we start to work out that way so giving them the language and then the permission to say i'm not going to stomp on your vulnerable parts i like to see your innards i think they're adorable i love them whatever the flaws whatever the greatness they might be and i want you to be able to share them with me freely so that's the work we do in office
1: I love that. And really giving specific language for folks to start these conversations. So some folks will will book to see you, and I'll just plug your website right now, which is lexsexdoc.com with two Xs. Well, I guess there are three, yep, yep. but we'll be, we'll be putting in the show notes. And some people will, I think, just use this to start a new conversation right now. And actually, I think a great way to start a conversation is, is to simply say, I was listening to this podcast with Dr. Lex, and they said that, you know, this is true or that this is sometimes true. And what do you think of that? Right? You could, it could mm-hmm. just simply be an inquiry. So I really appreciate that. Now, I have one more question, if you have time. Okay. It's a little bit longer, too. I, I used to paraphrase them, yeah. but I feel like it's nice to hear the whole story. So this person writes in. I'm writing you today because I'm in dire need of your help. Both my boyfriend and I are 28 years old. We've been together almost four years, and it's safe to say our sex life has been quite dull, and I'm pretty sure it's my fault. I'm your typical woman who almost never initiates sex, but I will never say no to it. I enjoy sex. I don't know why I have so much anxiety toward putting myself out there and initiating sex, especially when I know my boyfriend won't reject me. So why am I like this? How can I change this thinking and behavior? And I'm just going to go on with a little more context. I've recently Uh been waking up and finding lube and lotion beside the toilet seat in the morning, so it's obvious he's been jerking off, which in and of itself is no big deal. I know masturbation is healthy and normal, but the fact that he's been choosing his hand over me really hurts, especially when we haven't been intimate much at all. I feel like I'm not enough, not worthy, not sexy, and boring." I hate that I'm shy, especially when that is not the type of person I am, until it comes to the bedroom. Like, I want to be a freak in the sheets and not be shy to tell or show my boyfriend what I want and what I want to do to him. Both of us are not very good at communicating our wants and needs either, so that's another thing I struggle with. How do I talk about these things with him and bring them up? I'm also on the pill, which... Who knows? It, it, it can affect my hormones because I will say that I definitely have a low libido. I'll just throw that out there. Any advice appreciated. I love this man with everything I've got. I just wish I could get out of my head and get over this anxiety.
2: Oh, oh I love love. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so hard. Yeah. Okay. So quite a few factors there. And it's, it's clear that you both want to have some type of intimacy and, and form. Well, now I'm wondering if we can start with some of the low stake stuff. So what would it be like, one, to check with your birth control and, and see what the side effects are, if that is like affecting your hormones, maybe a shift might be helpful, just talking to your doctor and your uh, OBGYN about what works for you and what could work for you. And then two I would really start by taking sex off the table. Right? So talk to your lover about doing something fun. And I swear to you my couples hate this. Yes. I've done it myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like the eye roll the eye rolls we get when we tell people, "All right, no sex. We're not working on sex." <laughs> They hate yes, us.
0: Yeah,
2: they're like, oh my goodness. I've had people be like, so does this go in effect when we leave session or do I have to move it?
1: And do I get my money back, please?
2: <laughs> right, right. Uh, so take sex off the table because it's adding some pressure, right? And we don't need pressure here. So say like, hey, babe, let's try something fun. It also gives you a chance to flirt and build up sexual desire and waiting. I know people hate to say like, oh, we plan sex, we're so boring, it's in our planners. I plan sex, I uh, have these pleasure time planner stickers that (laughs) I have for my practice. And I put the pleasure time clock up on the, like we plan to like stop abstaining on this day. And so looking at that every day was like, okay, we're getting excited. We're getting closer to the date when we're gonna allow our bodies to do this thing and come together in this way. And that can be a really fun way to be like, I don't have to initiate. We both know it's going to happen on this day and when we're both off of work or done doing whatever we're doing in these times. And that can be a fun way. Another way I love, love, love is we use a pleasure wheel as sexuality expert. Um, Dr. Al Vernacchio came up with the sexist pizza ideology. So everybody has different toppings, but it's really a circle. I like to call it the wheel of fortune of sexual pleasure uh, because everybody's grandma made them watch that show at least one time in their (laughs) life, And (laughs) it's how you parse out the wedges. Like think of wedges of a pizza and you can put different sexual things in that pizza. So it's kissing, it's fingering, it's toe sucking, it's licking a butt. I don't really care. But you do one, your lover does one, and then you bring them together and you're like, ooh, I didn't know you wanted to try this. Hell no, I'm never doing this. Uh, maybe this can look like fun. Tell me more. And it's a fun way to generate new ideas around what your intercourse could look like. So that way it takes some of that pressure off of saying like, uh, I need to come up with something a day, a time, set a mood and initiate. Let's just take the pressure off and let's just have some fun. Let's just make out for five minutes. Let's do body rubs for 15 minutes. And then see how that starts to build your arousal. And of course, always a solo sexual play. And you can even do something fun where you say, hey, babe, can I send you a not safe for work text message? And it's like, yes, you can. No, babe, this is my work phone. Please don't do (laughs) that, right? You get consent. (laughs) And then it's like, well, I'm in the other room thinking about you and it can just be flirty. It doesn't necessarily have to be overtly sexual. And that can just be enough too, because you are absolutely enough just as you are.
1: I'm glad you're saying that because the line that really stands out for me is, you know, I feel like I'm not enough, not worthy, not sexy, and boring. And I doubt that your partner views you that way. Uh, it sounds like you're still having sex even if it's not as often as you would like to. And I really appreciate, Dr. Mm. Lex, the gamification of things. And we, if we could have just play more games with sex and not worry yeah. about it ending in a specific way, I, I think that, well, first of all, we we'd make more time for it. And this whole scheduling sex thing is such an interesting concept because we have this notion that sex is sometimes unscheduled and that's very very rarely the case. Kind of nothing happens mm-hmm. in life unless you carve out the time for it, right? Like you don't spontaneously mm-hmm. go on a vacation. Very few people, well, nobody goes on any vacations these days. But, you know, these are right. things that you you carve out the time for even when you were first dating. You set time aside. You did the things to groom that made you feel comfortable if you were going to get naked. You might have washed your sheets. You might have, you know, told your friends you're going on a date. You probably didn't answer a phone call from your mother or a sibling. I mean, unless your mother checks in on you on your dates, which is nice too. And so that was carving out of time. But we have this idea that it's spontaneous in the beginning. But in fact, you know, it can be a mix of spontaneous and playful, like you described, as well as scheduled. And it doesn't have to go in your iCal or in your calendar. It's just, you know, you make time for some sort of play and intimacy and pleasure. So I I'd love, nice. I'd love that gamification. I'd love to come up with more games uh, around sex as well. And so I'll think about that for the future.
2: Oh, I'm looking forward to the the Sex with Dr. Jess board game.
1: (laughs) I don't know about Let's do it. I feel like that's something Brandon should put together.
0: (laughs) I think it would be a boring game if I put it together.
1: So, no, no. I mean, I'm the least creative of the three of us. We know that. If anyone's ever read my writing, uh, Lex, you know Marla, right? Dr. Lex, you know Marla? Oh, yeah. 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 So Marla and I wrote a book together and our writing styles are just so different because Marla writes as she speaks and it flows so naturally and beautifully and i write like a robot and so it was actually so helpful for me to see her writing style and put it together so it's always this learning process and some I, I, of the, some I of sometimes get
2: that <laughs> what's that when I read it, I didn't get that. I didn't get robotic at all.
1: Oh, but that's because I had Marla's influence. Like that, <laughs> if you had just read my first, because we we put it all together. It, you know, writing a book as a team is a really interesting process. Uh, but you kind of re, we rewrote ours into one style as opposed Mm -hmm. to if we had written sections it would have been so obvious here's marla's really fun and practical stuff and here's justice really boring but if you dig deep it's actually really useful too (laughs) you just have to work i'm not being hard on myself it's just uh the truth i have other skills i can juggle i can do a headstand well
2: i don't juggle very well (laughs) Brandon
0: You're a better juggler than I am. Let's True. just leave it there. And,
2: and me as well. And like I have a I have a deep fear of having my butt over my head. Um, I have a really big butt, and I'm just like all I see is myself like dying, and they're gonna have to put in my obituary that like she died by her ass, and gonna like, hit her in the head, and she died so (laughs) what a way to go Mini skills my friend
1: (laughs) (laughs) sounds like not a bad way to go well I've I've taken up so much of your time and I have so many more questions so I hope that perhaps we can have you back another time because uh, I really appreciate your insights your practicality also clearly your empathy and inclusivity and the way in which you approach people's challenges so I know folks can learn more at lexsexdoc.com can you tell us what else you have on your plate what people should check out and follow and support and buy?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be having a Black Friday sale of those same planner stickers. Uh, there are two versions. One is kind of plain. It's a clock that says pleasure time. And the other ones are specific days for the upcoming, you know, the year's going to turn over. It's going to be the end of 2020. Thank goodness. Yes. Uh, but it talks about Cupcake and conolingus Day. There's a Steak and BJ Day, uh, International Flirt Week. So you can just put your planner sticker in there and forget about it also um upcoming is Volvember, so november is Volvember, and my vulva and me i am in a book chapter where i'm talking about really being accepted and the valuation of what i put on my vulva and how that really knocked me on my butt because it wasn't true (laughs) in the ways that i thought it was true And last but not least, uh, ideally, I'm going to finish up a workbook and have it coming out at the end of November as well, which is the Black Girl's Guide to Couples' Intimacy. And so it's a workbook that talks about all of the things that we've talked about today and really equipping you with tools to start to get to know your lover through really fun worksheets that you're going to work through together. So those are the upcoming things. You can get them on my website, lexsexdocs.com, or you can follow me on social media, which I am Lex, L-E-X-X. Sex, S E X DOC.com. D-O-C, and I'm Lex Doc across all social media too.
1: I love it. And I love these stickers. I'm on your site looking at Steak and BJ Day. Uh, I love it so much. Awesome, and you also have some free resources that people can check out on your website. Uh, so, a transgender microaggression reparative response model, as well as the racial microaggressions reparative response model, that are certainly mm-hmm. important. So, we really thank you for for putting those out there and making them accessible. And thank you for the work you do. Really appreciate your time today.
0: Thanks
2: for having me. I loved being here, y'all. Have a great rest of your podcast journey. For the day.
1: Thank you. I'm here always learning and I learn from Dr. Lex via social media all the time but it's a, a treat to get to listen in and hear about specific questions and cases in person from afar and so highly encourage you to follow along with Dr. Lex and I'm really really thankful to have had them on the program. So thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Brandon and of course thank you to cleovana for their ongoing support be sure to check them out at cleovana.com and wherever you're at hope you have a great one
0: you're listening to the sex with dr jess podcast improve your sex life improve your life